Welcome to the Wicked Writers Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Dubinsky. What makes someone a wicked writer? On this podcast, you'll hear from writers who have something to say with a little New England twist. Wicked Writers is your outlet for lifting up your voice and expressing your most creative self. Whether you write for fun or professionally or don't know where to start in your writing journey, Wicked Writers is here for you. I hope you enjoy the conversation and stay wicked. Sarah Latrono is a poet and freelance book editor and a writing coach. Her poems have been published online and printed in literary journals. And one of her goals for 2021 is to compile a manuscript for her first full-length poetry collection. She has her own business that she launched in 2019 called Heart of the Story Editorial and Coaching Services. A graduate of Curry College with a BA in English Literature and Writing, earned a certificate in copy editing from Emerson and worked for over 10 years as a copy editor in the corporate world and does freelance and creative writing projects on the side. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you very much for having me, Rachel. Of course. Tell us a little bit how you got into writing, maybe starting at childhood. Sure. Um, So I started writing, oh, at a very, very early age. Um, In fact, I actually learned how to read from coloring with crayons. So I would identify where uh, I would recognize the color and from, you know, not just from the crayon, but also from the name that was on it too. And I think I was as early as like seven or eight years old, I was writing stories at the kitchen table. There, I've just been writing all kinds of things since then. Um, I've been on student newspapers in school. Um, I've written poetry, which is probably the one type of writing that's really followed me throughout my adult life, taken stabs at novels um, and trunked all of them, but that's okay. And um, also been working um, in editing as well, uh, as you mentioned. And right now what I'm doing more or less is focusing mostly on poetry. I started after college, I started submitting work to literary journals and took about five years for me to get my first acceptance, which is I wouldn't say normal, but it usually takes a long, long time. And I really needed to be persistent and just keep believing in myself about that. And more, I've been doing a lot more poetry work, I would say, in the past four or five years. And like you said, I also started my own business in 2019. After just having studied the craft of writing for so long and critiquing manuscripts for friends of mine who are also writers, one of them had said at one point, you know, you should get paid for what you do because you're so thorough and you make good points. And I didn't do anything with that advice right away, but I, um, it stuck with me for a while until I finally decided to do something about it a few years later. So you got this inspiration to, to start your own business that had been percolating over time. Poetry has played a big role in your life. Mm-hmm. What is it about writing or helping people with their writing that really inspires you and gets you up in the morning? For my own writing, I think it's just, I just really enjoy it. It's been a part of my life for so long that in some ways it's hard to define why I do it because it's just it's almost automatic now, but I love how I love how it allows me to express myself in ways that I can't do so verbally and how I can just sort of convey whatever in whatever is in my head or in my heart through um, the written word. Um, 
And I also look at it as a way of sort of sharing my experiences and discoveries and the lessons I learn with other people. Um, I also know just from experience as a reader and as a writer that the things we write can help other people. You know, it can lift them up when they're feeling down. It can make them feel less alone and um, also feel seen and heard. And it just allow it can also help them see things from a new perspective. And if I can do that for someone with my writing, then I guess I've done what I've set out to do. When it comes to other people's writing, I think I just, I, be, I believe that anybody who has a book in them and wants to put it out has the ability, you know, has everything within them to do so. And I think just being a reader and a writer, I I love it when there are other books that are coming out into the world. And if there's anything I can do to help people, to help writers essentially become authors or published authors, then I want to help them do that. Um, whether it's through editing or through coaching, which would be more, which is more or less hands-on guidance through the writing process. Um, I'm happy to do that. And where do you see people struggle the most when you're, you're coaching and working with them? That depends on the person. <laughs> um, I think with my coach, with the writers I've coached, their struggles have all been very unique to themselves and their projects. Some of them, it's accountability. You know, they don't have, if they don't have someone else to answer to other than themselves, it's hard for them to motivate themselves to work on the project. Other times it may be certain craft related things that they're struggling with or just plain old content. Um, just knowing that they can learn, you know, that they can learn whatever they need to do, tell their story effectively. I could go on and on because there could be, there, there have been others as well, but it's, it varies from writer to writer. And you know quite a bit about the craft and business of writing, and it's certainly evolving with a lot of people who are choosing to self-publish. Do you have any recommendations for, for people who are considering all the options um, in their work of writing? I would just simply say because each self-publishing service has its own angle on, you know, on that business. So I think it's more important that writers actually take the time to research their options and to make sure that the company that they choose to help self-publish their book, whether it's Ingram Spark, Book Baby, Amazon KDP, and uh, there are lots of others out there besides that, um, just to research their options and weigh the pros and cons and also make sure they know what their budget is and see what they think is the their best option from there. I think it's also important for them to know that there are also hybrid publishers out there, which are basic, another way that I like to describe it in case I'm talking to someone who's not a writer or is outside of the writing world is self, self-publishing project management companies. So basically you can work with these with these companies and they can help you they can coach you through the writing process if that's part of what they do but they will essentially work with you and act as the middle person so to speak and hire the contractors or freelancers that you need for your work whether it's a developmental editor or a copy editor book cover designer and things like that so if you think so if a writer thinks that 
they need a little bit more help or guidance with self-publishing and they're not really feeling comfortable with being a project manager of their own books, um, that is always an option for them too. Again, it's all a matter of just researching your options and figuring out which one's going to be the best fit for you. So I think you're at an interesting intersection here, trying to publish your own work of poetry while also providing guidance to others now that you're personally you know trying to get a compilation of your work out there what do you find coming up for you in this process what do you like i want to deal with this i don't want to deal with this s here's the thing i'm still in the very early stages of compiling the manuscript i would like to get some more pieces published before i actually start being more serious about that and actually and then submitting the manuscript to for publication i think i am in the boat right now i would like to see if i could get it published through a small press uh, or a publisher that publishes poetry Partly because I have so many other things going on that trying to figure out how to be my own project manager for a book feels a bit overwhelming. <laughs> so I think the way, but I also don't want to close that door altogether. So I think what my plan is going to be is once I do start submitting the manuscript out to poetry contests and small presses, um, I'm just going to wait and see what happens. And then if not, that does not work out, then I will consider self-publishing. So it may be a little while before, but I think uh, I I want to see what I want to see what happens before I uh, before I try self-publishing, I think. So you've had a number of poems published and you want to have a number more and possibly transform that. What has been your favorite poem that you've written or you can choose to answer this as, is there a particular topic that you are concentrated on? That would be like asking what my, who my favorite child is. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, um, I mean, there, um, there is, I do have one poem that I keep going, that I am particularly proud of. Uh, one of the poems that's been published is called Origin Story, which is about, it's actually about the geological formation of Cape Cod. You know, it's angle. I, I absolutely I've I love Cape Cod when I was little my parents would take would vacation down there quite a bit in fact I spent my first five birthdays on Cape Cod and um it's just it's a place that I have just grown up loving uh now my parents are actually retired down there which was one of their dreams and I'm very happy and I'm really happy that they were able to make that happen for themselves but I just love it and when did I write that I think it was two years ago yeah two years ago there was a call for submissions for for a, a poetry anthology that was going to be all about Cape Cod and the islands of Nantucket and Martha's Vineyard. And so I set a challenge for myself to try to write some new poems that could be published for, you know, that could be considered for that, for that anthology. And I can't really tell you how I came up with the idea to write about how Cape Cod was formed by a glacier. <laughs> Other than the fact that I just got this idea and I was like, I'm going to run with it. And sometimes that's what happens with poems is I get this idea and the wor words and phrases and lines start percolating in my head. And then I know that I just have to, that I just have to write it. 
And the funny thing is, is yes, I submitted that poem to the anthology, but I also submitted it to uh, Mass Poetry for their Poem of the Moment series, and they chose it. And I was absolutely floored when I got that message from them. So, um, but that's just one of many poems, and I could go on and on about oh, any of them, but that one's particularly special just because I really loved writing it and I loved the subject matter. And in general, a lot of my poems are about nature. Um, but I also in the past year, so I've started writing about other things as well. I sometimes write about places where I've traveled, like different parks um, in the area or one of my favorite places in the world, Iceland. I'm a also- writing retreat you went to there. Oh, yes, yes. Gosh, I, I miss I miss Iceland. I can't wait to go back when things are safer again. I also write a lot of spiritual poetry, so very introspective pieces. Um, I've written about mental health, different types of art. So like sometimes I've written about music. I wrote an ode about metal music. (laughs) Why not? I mean, metal music, that is quite the niche, girl. And so I, yeah, it's, I've, oh, even though like I am very, I was very much inspired by Mary Oliver when I started writing poetry and I still write nature poetry now and now and then I've learned to sort of open up my field of inspiration and let ideas come from other things. I just recently formed uh, an online poetry group with two people. I went, was in a workshop with in December and we gave ourselves a writing prompt before our next meeting. Uh, we could either write an ode or we could write a poem that had any, you know, with the theme of bright spot. Somehow that led me to writing an ode about Jupiter's great red spot. <laughs> so now about outer space and astronomy. So you've got all of the the classics uh science stuff in there that's great i mean i think you're alluding to the fact that you kind of write when inspiration strikes or you go down a rabbit hole on a subject and you're like this is what's driving me um Mm -hmm. do you set aside a time to write every day or do you just do it when inspiration strikes I wouldn't say it's when inspiration strikes. It's, it is more or less when I have the time. It's not every day. I would say maybe a couple times a week. Um, it sort of depends on what my schedule is. And um, sometimes I may get an idea and I may not have the chance right, you know, right away to write about it. But I at least make note of it and maybe write down a couple phrases or even write a mission statement about what I want the poem to be about. Um so that when I actually do sit down and write it, I can just put all my, you know, I have the idea right there and I can focus on it and just let things flow. So you've also written for a number of blogs as well. And I think that this is something I've come across as a writer to do an MFA or not to do an MFA. What are your (laughs) feelings? Yeah, you must be talking about DIY MFA. Yes. I love that website. I miss writing for them. I actually wrote, uh, I decided to end my column last year just because I uh, could not make the time commitment for for it anymore. I think the, I think doing an MFA, I've chosen not to do one for myself partly because I'm aware of the money and time commitment that goes into it. And it's really not something I can invest in on either end right now or 
had in the past too. But I also, you know, so that's a very personal decision. I think it just depends on what, you know, if wants to pursue that for themselves. So I don't want to say if somebody thinks they want to do an MFA or doesn't want to do one, I'm not going to, I wouldn't try to sway them one way or the other. I just know what my decision was for me. Um, but I also know having been a part of DIY MFA for so long and being a proud owner of Gabriella Pereira's DIY MFA book, which I highly recommend to any writers who are listening to this podcast, basically anything you do in an MFA, you can actually do on your own time. You reading, writing, and building your own community. So it's all a matter, I think, of how you want to do it, whether you want to do that through a college or university, or if you want to do that your own way on your own time. Yeah, and I think that there are a lot of great resources and writing communities in Boston, the greater Boston area, like Grub Street comes to mind for me, where it's kind of like you can choose if you want to do a short or long course or like a novel generator. And it's a a choose your own adventure, which uh, definitely speaks to writers in, Mm -hmm. you know, many cases that are juggling a number of things. So I err on the side of if you have the passion and drive, you can kind of put the pieces of the puzzle together. But yeah. I totally agree with you on that. And I <laughs> I also I also love Grub Street. In fact, the poetry workshop that I mentioned I took in December was through Grub Street. Yes. So. I yeah. I'm excited to see their new space one day. Me too. Oh Me too. Uh, <laughs> yeah. has there yeah, been actually any- Actually, Mass Poetry is also going to, that's going to be their new home as well. Um, I think if I remember reading their emails last year before they decided to make the Mass Poetry 2021 festival virtual, that I think they were still planning to do it in Salem. So I don't think, uh, hopefully that will be the case once they are, once it's safe to do events like that in person again, just because Salem is a fantastic place for that con for that i just i have wonderful memories of walking through downtown salem going from event to event during the festival and so i hope that in the future they can keep doing that in salem as well yeah and i would say the same with um grub streets muse in the marketplace you know Mm -hmm. do you have any thoughts on you know uh writing retreats or conferences that have gone online and the advantages and disadvantages of that I think it's a really good thing that they've done that. I don't know. I I don't I don't know how I don't know if I have an opinion yet as to whether how they can carry that forward in the future. There are ways in which they could do that in case people can't attend in person, but they can still have the event on location somewhere. But I think it's a really good thing that they found a way to make conferences and other literary events virtual during the pandemic. I'm actually going to Muse in the Marketplace online this year. So it'll be interesting to see how what that's like in comparison to going to a conference in person. Um, Because I think that it's probably, I think it's the first one that I'm going to be doing since the pandemic started. I'll probably do the same thing with the Mass Poetry Festival in May. But yeah, I, I think overall, it's a good thing that they're doing this. 
Definitely. And I volunteered at Muse in the Marketplace two years ago, and it was great to be able to jump from session to session because they do offer so much. And you can certainly sure. jump virtually, um, but you know, that element of meeting other writers and really just like being able to sit down for mm-hmm. a cup of coffee or tea. I have to ask about your, your tea review blogs that you've done. <laughs> Oh, that was a long time ago. <laughs> I haven't done those in a long time either. Yeah. So um, I actually, how did that get started? So I had, I already knew Justin who ran the blog where my tea reviews were eventually posted. Um, he and I were actually staff writers at the time for Sonic Cathedral, which is a uh, a webzine that folk- that promotes female-fronted rock, metal, and progressive music bands. I think I'd actually just left Sonic Cathedral to focus on creative writing. And not too long after that, he put up, Justin put up a call on his own blog. His was a literary blog called uh, Bibliophiles Reverie, I think. And um, he... He was looking for someone to do tea reviews because people often drink tea while they read books. And I thought that was perfect. And so I applied, wrote it. I think I wrote him a sample review, but I did that for a couple of years. And that was fun. In, in fact, at one point, I, once I started submitting inquiries to different tea places, I actually got free samples. So I didn't, yes. you know, it wasn't, a, <laughs> that was kind of cool compensation for, for that column. But um, yeah, it was fun to try different teas because it really, it, in a way, it opened up my own palette a lot to different kinds of teas I hadn't tried before. And also it was fun to sort of, I would, uh, just to keep it in theme with the blog itself, I always would try to pair each tea with books or genres of books that might be a good fit. Um, there were also a couple instances where I was able to review literary themed teas. I think if I remember some of them, there was a couple Middle Earth teas. So like Mirkwood, Rivendell, a number of Jane Austen ones too. Um, So that was a lot of fun. And I still drink a lot of tea today. In fact, I'm drinking (laughs) some right now as as we're talking. What's your uh, favorite type of tea? A jasmine scented oolong. Jasmine scented oolong. (laughs) I mean, uh, to be honest, I love all different kinds of teas. And like if if someone were to put that kind of tea in front of me i would i would not want to share it (laughs) but no it's just i yes i love that but i love other kinds of teas as well um right now i'm actually drinking an earl gray green tea very nice yeah i like the it seems like there's a, a calming correlation between writing reading and drinking tea i'm a, a coffee girl for the mm-hmm. most part myself but i like that you were able to use that passion for tea to write as well yeah and i think things about it is it it allows you to explore two of the senses that i think are not as explored in all very often in writing and that's taste and smell and so that was so writing those reviews was an excellent exercise in paying attention to those senses a little more and for people who are just starting out on writing projects whether that's for a school paper or just starting out in their career what advice do you have for people i would say don't give up because their writing is hard we may love it but writing is 
probably one of the most challenging things that anybody could ever do for a variety of reasons. And along the way, you are probably going to find that there are certain techniques in the craft that you need to that you may need to strengthen. You may find that you not everybody likes your work. If you are trying to go the traditional route and get a literary agent and then get a publisher from there, you're bound to run into rejection along the way. It's the same thing with poetry as well. If I think I mentioned this earlier, but it took five years from the time I started submitting my poetry to literary journals that I got my first, until I got my first yes. And I still get rejections now. It's just part of the game. And one of the things that you, that's really important to remember is that you are doing this for yourself first and foremost, then, you know, the audience will come later. And that if you love what you do enough, just do, just don't give up, keep submitting, keep writing, keep revising, and keep looking for open, you know, open doors for yourself. Persistence and uh, persistence and perseverance are a big part of being a writer. And if you can keep both of those qualities up as time goes on, you will get good results in the end. Great. And speaking of good results, I would love to hear the geological uh, Cape Cod poem if you have a handy. I do. Hang on a moment. Where is my poetry folder? <laughs> so this is origin story. Let's start at the beginning, 23,000 years ago. Your parents were the earth and Laurentide, an ice sheet stretching from the Arctic Ocean all the way to what would later be known as the islands of Nantucket and Martha's Vineyard. If anyone had borne witness, they would have found a cold crust of white as far as the eye could see. This didn't happen all at once, of course. Patience is both virtue and necessary evil when you need about five centuries to emerge. But not once did you complain as leisurely your more glacial parent retreated north. In three lobes, it scraped over bedrock, carving and molding you into moraines, canes, and outwash plains, as if with a sculptor's tools, but no final design in mind. In its wake, it strewed all manner of rock debris over you, miles upon miles of till, gravel, sand, and boulders hundreds of feet thick. But you didn't mind. You liked the way the meltwater streams dressed you, how their deposits filled your deltas and expanded west, how leftover lumps of ice melted and made jewel-like kettle holes across your peninsula. You even chose to bear your relict valleys, your riverless battle scars with pride. You couldn't fathom then that one day you would be robed in pitch pines, marshes and cranberry bogs, or called home by piping plovers, seals and humans. You didn't even care that you wouldn't have a name, Cape Cod until 1602 AD. No, that long ago, your only care was that you were born, and to be born means to exist, and to exist means boundless possibilities. Beautiful, thank you so much. Thank you. Well, it was great talking with you, Sarah. We really appreciate your wisdom and your advice. Uh, how do people get in touch with you if they wanna work with you, if they wanna learn more? 
Um, so you can visit my website for Heart of the Story Editorial and Coaching Services. It's heartofthestoryeditorial.com. Um, you can also find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The name kind of varies one way or the other, but if you put in Sarah Heart of the Story, you should be able to find me. And I also, you can also read my poetry that's been published so far by going to Sarah Letourneau Writer. Dot com. And can you, you spell that out for people? Sure. That is S-A-R-A-L-E-T-O-U-R-N-E-A-U-W-R-I-T-E-R.com. Yeah, I was like, for some, yeah. for some reason, I had to think more about how to spell right. writer than my name. <laughs> I'm so used to spelling my name out just because for various reasons. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you again. And, you know, best of luck with compiling your own manuscript. And we'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening, Wicked Writers or Wicketeers, as some may call themselves. You can find out more information about the podcast at www.wickedwriters.org. You can visit us on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. You can look up Wicked Writers. I'm also on Threadless selling some merch and hope that you like... uh, the show enough to buy some merch and that's wickedwriters.threadless.com as well as we have a newsletter i try and keep it uh, weekly or bi-weekly trying to not flood your inboxes but sometimes i can't help it and the website for the newsletter is wickedwriters.substack.com and as always feel free to email me at hello at wickedwriters.org stay wicked